Hey, ladies and gents, and welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. Episode 198, I am your host, Jared Weich. As always, I am joined by Dominic Orlando. That was a particularly energetic intro. I really like that. That was cool, Jared. Thank you. Gotta, gotta pep it up. Put some pep in my step. <laughs> uh, which is... And the word pep is interesting because I don't know if it derives from like people getting like energetic from pepper or. Oh, hmm. hadn't yeah. thought of that. Man, you know what's the worst? I love freshly ground pepper, but when like a uh, uncracked kernel seeps into whatever you're eating and you bite yep. into a whole yeah. peppercorn, not yeah. great. <laughs> you, yeah, you have like your pasta salad or whatever, the fu- whatever you're eating, and then you get like a bite that's like mostly like thick pepper. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a gamble you make every time you put the pepper <laughs> on your plate. That, uh, or if you have something with olives and like you get that olive pit, that like rare olive pit, and you just crack down on it. And you're like, did I just break a tooth? Oh god, yeah. Uh, so for those listening, we're not going to be talking about Last of Us Part Two at the end when we're talking about what we've been playing because it's not that I haven't finished it. It's the opposite of that. I did finish the game and. Uh, in the days following the upload of this podcast, before our next episode covering the Xbox Game Showcase, we're going to be uploading a spoiler cast. We tentatively have a couple of guests lined up to join us for that, so it's going to be awesome. We're going to go full spoiler mode, not holding anything back, so if you haven't played the game and don't want it spoiled, don't listen to it. We're going to be diving into all the narrative beats, the biggest twists of the game, the themes, all of it. So look forward to that. I believe it's the first like new game spoiler cast we've done, right? I think we've done a spoiler cast before, but it was a game a while after release. What game? Um, it was something me and Jordan had all played. I don't know. Now that you're calling Matty, maybe we didn't do one, and I just thought we were going to do one, and we never did yeah, one. I think you're right. I think there was something, but I don't know what. Yeah. I have to dive into the history. Spider-Man? Oh, no, didn't? Well, no, I did a, a spoiler cast with Logan, me and Logan specifically for Spider-Man. I remember that. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Anyways, it's going to be really cool. We're going to have... At the very bare minimum, me and Dom, so hopefully that's good for you. But we have a couple of guests lined up, so hopefully it's four of us. Um, but yeah, look forward to that. It's going to be really fun talking about that game because the group we're trying to put together ranges from people who enjoy the game but have a lot of issues with it, people who love the game absolutely, and people who fall anywhere in between. So I think it's going to be really cool to talk about all of the highs and lows, though there, in my opinion, aren't a whole lot of lows. Uh, outside of technical bugs that I ran into, which I shared with you, Dom, through some photos and videos. Like, um, straight up funny, the funny kind of bug. Not, I mean, it's still bad, but like the, <laughs> the, a person's torso disappearing, and then they're still functioning in the world is, like, obviously that's a bad thing, but it looks hilarious. Or, like, <laughs> sprite waterfalls. Yeah, not great. <laughs> uh, let's hop into the news rundown, though, now that we got out of the way. Look forward to that Last of Us 2 spoiler cast. It's going to be awesome. First up, there was a Stadia Connect that happened. I know, most of us kind of glossed over it. It's what you expect from a Stadia Connect. Not a whole lot of announcements, not a whole lot of exciting things, but <laughs> the two biggest details from it were, one, they signed exclusive game deals with Harmonix, Supermassive Games, and Uppercut. Uh, let it be known that the Supermassive thing has nothing to do with the um, Dark Pictures anthology. It's something separate from that. Some cool signings. To me, none of those are like, oh, awesome. That's going to make me get Stadia. You know what I mean? It's like, okay. Uh, Supermass is probably the biggest get there. Uppercut, I'm like, eh. And then Harmonics, I've never been a rhythm game guy, so it's like, whatever. Uh, the other thing, do you remember when they announced Stadia, how there was going to be this feature where you can go to a YouTube video, and there would be a link in it, and you'd click it, and you'd hop right into the game. 
that's finally happening. <laughs> Another one of those launch things that kind of uh, drifted away and is finally coming back. Stadium, man. Yeah. We're, we're going to be talking about something that's very dangerous for it at the end of the show, but it's just one of those things that people are waiting for the Jade Raymond project and all these other things to be announced. And I think Stadia will probably be around for a couple of years. I don't know if it's going to capture what Google wanted, you know? I don't know. Yeah, and it's tough to say because, yeah, we don't we don't know quite what they expected out of it and on what kind of timeline. True. But it, we also don't know. I was thinking about this earlier today. We don't know, like, how much they've spent on it. I think um, probably on some of these deals and, like, put they have their own studios now or whatever. Uh, that stuff's obviously expensive, but they don't have to build consoles. And uh, I don't know. I'm thinking, like, maybe this is, like, you know, not too much overhead. And so they, their expectations might be lower initially. Um, I don't know. And they, they have an uphill battle if they want to, like... I, I mean, it's pretty much impossible, I think, for them to ever, like, capture the kind of market share that Sony and Nintendo Microsoft have. But um, they could still exist, I think, uh, you know, indefinitely. Uh, I don't know. I could, I could see it. It's just... And this is just... It's rough for them. They've not done well so far. And the thing people have to understand, too, twofold. One, Google is, un, is not afraid to cut ship... You know what I mean? They don't believe in feeding something money. You know what I mean? The whole sunken cost fallacy. Like, they'll pull out of something, which obviously leaves some people scared. The other problem, or I shouldn't say problem, the other thing with Google is they're not a software company like, say, Microsoft is. They're a data company, right? So we don't know their intentions with this. So if it is a thing to gather data while also trying to do a platform, and at the end of the day, if they're able to secure enough of the data they're looking for for other projects... Who knows? It might be a win-win for them. We don't know. That's a good point. You might have something, some ulterior motive that they're trying to get out of this. And then there's always that thing of, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about it before, but I'm surprised that like there wasn't more concern about this. Of like, I mean, Google is like that. That's potential conflict of interest for a lot of. Anytime Google gets Google gets into another business, right? It's like, well, you control the world's largest search engine. So like, you know, if someone searches for a game on uh, on Google, right? then uh, is the first result going to be PS4 or Xbox, or is it going to be Stadia? And then there are no results for PS4 or Xbox, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's something they've been caught doing before, but in my head, that's like an obvious, like, is there anything, is that legal for them to do? I can't see why not, well, but maybe there's some protections there for that kind of thing. I don't know. And it's weird, too, because some of the strongest examples you can make a case that those just happen to be the most popular platforms, right? So whenever you search a video all the first search results are YouTube. It's almost exclusively YouTube and you don't right. really get like Vimeo or anything else. The problem there is YouTube is the biggest video platform on the internet. So you can't, there is an argument to me about, well, are they, did they create that themselves by always putting YouTube at the front or did YouTube just take off? And then obviously that's how the search results happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's the classic problem of, you know, late stage capitalism where when businesses diversify, then they can monopolize even more. Well, you know, and they worked around this. Remember, Google isn't the top level anymore. It's Alphabet. Alphabet owns Google now. You know what I mean? They diversified. Sorry, there's a parent company now so they can get around that. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, anyways, in conspiracy news, that's all we have for today. Right. Um, yeah. Next up, uh, a review roundup. We do these from time to time. I love to do them when two major games come out around the same time to see how they fared. So we're going to be looking at par uh, Paper Mario, The Origami King, and Ghost of Tsushima. I pulled up a positive, a really positive review for each and a middling or negative review just so we can see both ends of the spectrum. Um, just to see the full picture, right? So first up is Paper Mario, The Origami King. Currently on Metacritic, it's sitting at an 81, which is pretty good. I mean, I, I wouldn't expect Paper Mario to hit in the 90s, but I think it's solid that it hit in the low 80s, especially with the way that franchise has been in the last couple of entries. So the first review is from Games Radar. They give it a 90. And they said, quote, Paper Mario, The Origami King is fun, lighthearted, and a celebration of Super Mario with a strong story, great humor, and brilliant characters. Pretty favorable stuff. That's great. PC Mag, on the other end, gave it a 60. And they stated, quote, Paper Mario The Origami King is a fun, colorful JRPG, almost the same kind of start, that trips itself up by either overthinking or underthinking one of its core elements. Besides the highly entertaining boss fights, the unsatisfying puzzle-based combat system misses the mark. Now, going into this, this is what we heard from previews, is that the combat system, it kind of lacks RPG mechanics. There's no leveling up. Like, is it going to be inspired enough? And it seems that at the end of the day, if you're looking for a prototypical Nintendo game where it's fun and colorful and humorous, I think this is for you. If you're looking for something deeper in the video game realm, it seems like this might not be your cup of tea, right? Um, what do you think from those reviews? Do you think they're fair? And do you think that's... Where, would, where do you sit on Paper Mario the Origami King in terms of it sitting at an 81 on Metacritic? I mean, that it sounds about right. Like you said, that's a pretty good cumulative score i mean it's i've never played a paper mario game but it's about what i've expected uh, what i expected right like it would be funny and it would look good you know the art style is really cool everything's origami anyway <laughs> um but then the, i've also never played a paper mario game which also means i'd have no understanding of what like the battle systems have been like in the past but i know that the last couple have been a little bit more divisive than some of the original games the original and were like classic jrpg turn based like to a T. So your, you know, your Pokemons or any kind of other turn-based, yeah, okay. obviously slight variations, but I guess in the last couple of them there, there was some like some timing stuff and some weird things where you would have to buy moves with the coins you earned in the game. People were like, yeah, gross. So. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I, I watched one review and got to see the like circular grid that kind of makes up a battle in this game. And I'm, looks like it could be fun. I mean, I'm not, it's not so much my cup of tea. Like, they've had a couple of Switch games that are, like, in that realm. You know, of uh, Yoshi Crafted World. Um, there was a Kirby game that are, like, they're all good games, but, you know, they don't do anything necessarily revolutionary. They just look really cool and are fun to play, I guess. But I've kind of missed, I've kind of glossed over some of that stuff. Maybe that's what I need in my life, is some, some of that energy, maybe. But, yeah, not really That's our point. That's our pull quote from the podcast. There was a Kirby game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, that's not. It's not really fair because I don't. You know, I, I don't look. You know, I'm not, I'm not giving these games a fair shake and like an equal look, as you know, I give like you know, major third party or like Sony or PlayStation or Xbox games. You know. I just, yeah. I, I yeah. So it's. I feel ignorant, but that's that's <laughs> how that's my perspective. Is like yeah, there was a Kirby game. I think it was all right. I heard it was cool. I think. Yeah. I think most people would argue that like the last 10 Kirby games were all right at best. Uh, it's obviously me generalizing, but 
Right. We, we have yet to get another stellar Kirby game. Uh, next up, Ghost of Tsushima, a game that uh, me and you are both excited for. Um, we talked about this a while back of what we assumed the score would be for on Metacritic. I said I uh, low to mid 80s. Uh, I think what I said was like 82 at the lowest and 87 at the highest, something like that. Turns out it was kind of close. You, you gave a, cl- a smaller range than that, I feel. I feel like you might have even said 84. Okay. Well, it's at 83. It it dropped uh, from probably a couple other reviews. Anyways, 83 is still good. Um, obviously, a little bit lower. Uh, and I, I don't want to say think, disappointing. I think but, I guessed 88. So I was I was high. <laughs> yeah. It is low for a PlayStation first-party game, for sure. Um, but, I mean, 83 is still rock-solid on Metacritic. Yeah. Uh, IGN gave it a 90, and they said, Ghost of Tsushima is an enormous and densely packed samurai adventure that often left me completely awestruck with both its visual spectacle and excellent combat. By steadily introducing new abilities instead of stat upgrades, its swordplay manages to stay challenging, rewarding, and fun throughout. A few aspects are surprisingly lacking in polish in comparison to other first-party Sony games, especially when it comes to enemy AI and the stealth gameplay. So I, let me get the GameSpot one, and then we'll talk about that. Because even though they gave it a 90, they had some strong criticisms there at the end, um, which I thought was really helpful and maybe speaks to the strengths of it that they outweighed those negatives. So GameSpot gave it a 70, so it was on the lower end. The game hits a lot of fantastic cinematic highs, those ultimately lifted above the trappings of its familiar open-world quest design and all the innate weaknesses that come with it. But those imperfections and dull edges are definitely still there. Ghost of Tsushima is at its best when you're riding your horse and taking in the beautiful world on your own terms. So, it seems like, generally speaking, people enjoy the combat, but it falters in a lot of the shortcomings that open-world games have, and the stealth elements are probably the most divisive aspect of this game, because I've seen people praise them, and I've seen people say that they're probably the worst part of the game. So... That's going to be interesting. For me, I don't know where I feel in terms of the stealth possibly being the one thing that I dislike the most um, because I wasn't planning on doing a lot of stealth in this game because you have the option of going obviously more face forward or the stealth stuff. And the combat is what matters most to me. I am a, like, I'm not a huge stickler for open worlds if they tend to do some of the stuff that open world games have done for a while i love ubisoft open worlds checking boxes i'm okay with that the combat if that was bad that would be my bigger worry but a lot of people are saying that's the strength of this game so i'm i'm still uh very interested into getting into this game what do you feel about these reviews and how they line up with your own expectations i think i'm with you i think like reading some of the the gripes people have with it is you know it's that you know legitimate gripes or whatever but more so like the usual these usual problems that open world games have this game didn't fix them they're still there which is like okay so the stuff we're used to it just isn't fixed with this one you know what i mean it didn't yeah. create some innovative solution to some of that stuff it's like so okay it's not like a to me it, it was nothing that felt like a deal breaker um but hearing that like the atmosphere the uh i don't know what the word is like how it, it engrosses you in that setting and that world and stuff and how everything looks even like the cl- the clips i've seen is like yeah, everything everything's always in the wind really windy place i guess um everything's all the grass is always flowing it looks really cool um the art style looks cool and and the combat looks really cool and that hearing that that's one of the 
stronger parts of the game is exciting for me. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm still pretty excited to get started with it. Uh, one thing that I want to mention as well, because I don't think, Mir, you were planning to play this game with Japanese VO. Apparently, it's real bad in this game. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it, it wasn't focused on. And I wonder if that's part of, you know, in that IGN inter uh, interview, review, despite him giving it a 90, they said it's surprisingly lacking in polish in comparison to other first-party Sony games. That's probably a key part of that is, like, normally the localization departments for Sony do a really stellar job of that stuff, especially with a game like this that's focused on Japanese culture. So to see that it's not, the like, the best part of this game is kind of disappointing because of the setting of the game, you know? Um, if Assassin's Creed Valhalla's Japanese VO isn't great, I kind of am a little bit understandable. With this, because it's rooted in that culture, it is more disappointing, even though I personally wasn't going to play through it for the people who wanted that full immersion of the Kurosawa black and white mode plus the Japanese VO. It sucks that it's less than stellar, you know? So, Yeah, it is cool to see... Well, that was a good point, though, that last that last bullet from that review. of like, it's not up to par with other fir Sony first parties, which is like, well, that's a pretty tough field <laughs> yeah. to be against. You, you can't bet 100, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I get that. Well, it's definitely worth mentioning. But, yeah, I saw some clips of the, the voiceover in, in Japanese, and it's, yeah, it's not good. It's the, <laughs> I also, that would be a problem for people. Before any sports people. Be, because it was marketed. Like, you can, it's in Japanese, and it's cool. And then you get it, and it's like, Okay, but it's half shitty. Right? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, before any sports people come at me, I meant to say batting a thousand. I know batting on a hundred isn't oh. really good. Yeah, batting <laughs> a thousand is the reference. Yeah. yeah. I meant a hundred percent. You know what I meant. Um, yeah. So that's it for the review roundup. Paper Mario. I was hoping to get into a Paper Mario game this year for the first time. I'm not going to spend money on a subpar game like that, especially with new consoles coming out. You know what I mean? Ooh. Um, the good thing about Paper Mario, though, um, that when it gets out, and like that's just let's move past that. That way, we can get on to what we assume is next from Nintendo, the 3D Mario remasters. Um, the 35th anniversary stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, Ubisoft Forward happened. So we're gonna go through. I'm not gonna go through all of everything. I only have the four most major notable things, and then we're gonna end with uh, figuring out if Dom's predictions from last week's show were correct or wrong. I don't even know if you remember the questions I had asked you, Dom. Some of them. So first up, Ubisoft delivered their first of two Ubisoft forwards for 2020. We learned at the end of this one that they're going to have another one this year, uh, which will likely see probably gods and monsters and updates on other stuff. But they showed Hyperscape, which they shadow dropped the PC beta for, which is their 3v3 99 player battle royale with a lot of cool new features in it. I'm interested to see how it does when it comes to console. It's going to be free to play. The 3v3 aspect is tough. Um, and it's a lot more sci-fi speedy, and I don't know how that's going to do with people who have been grounded into the PUBGs and the Call of Duties, right? Hyperscape, to me, seems like an evolution for people getting tired of Fortnite as opposed to people moving from Warzone or Apex Legends and going to it. You know what I mean? Could be totally yeah, but wrong, but we'll see. I, I, I would understand that, though, because they want to try to carve out more of their own niche, right? Because... I, I didn't watch any of this. I, I've not seen a second of this game. But when you started talking about it, I remember thinking, like, oh, another, you know, another Battle one of these Royale. games. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, like, how's this one different? Like, what, how, like, how much market really exists anymore for a new game? Um, but if uh, they're trying to do something different, like, setting-wise and movement-wise, like you're saying, a little more sci-fi, quick kind of a thing, then maybe that maybe that's what the, the idea is, to carve out, like, some of that Fortnite player base uh, who are getting sick of that, maybe. 
and maybe move over some of the Ubisoft audience that's on our other multiplayer games that they kind of want to die down so they can work on the follow projects to those. So constantly moving that Ubisoft multiplayer base to a newer game, you know what I mean? And shepherding them along. Uh, next up, we had Watch Dogs Legion. So this is a game I've been cautiously excited for. Uh, I love the concept of it. I love when games try to do something new and innovative, and Watch Dogs to me has been a series rooted in mediocrity in terms of the way it showcases during any presentation. Watch Dogs 1 looked so generic. It's like generic the video game. Watch Dogs 2 looked a little bit more flavorful and unique. It just didn't do a whole lot to sell people on it, and it didn't really sell well, period. This is taking an aspect of, like, recruit anybody and doing something really cool with it. During the presentation, they announced it's coming October 29th. They showcased gameplay and how different recruits can tackle missions differently, which I think did a good part in showing people who you recruit matters because you can tackle missions however, right? So if you're trying to get in this military base, you can recruit one of the people that's part of the military, which is Albion, and they can walk right through the front doors. They can still get caught by certain people, but that's one aspect. Or you can get a construction worker and go through the back end and pretend you're working at that construction site. Or you can be a stealth hacker and hack their drones and stuff. So I think they did a good job of representing the different stuff there. And another detail that came out, people were asking, like, how many recruits can you have? It maxes out at 40, which is twice oh. as much as I thought was going to be the case. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. So hmm. I, I think it presented well. We talked about this, and we'll get into the dates for the other games. But as it sits, not talking about any other releases we don't know about, I think I'm going to end up playing Watch Dogs Legion. I have about two weeks, two two to three weeks before Cyberpunk comes out. And then because of Assassin's Creed's date, that'll be my December game. But for me, Watch Dogs Legion's presentation sold me on it, and I'm really excited about that. That's cool. Um, I wasn't, like, I, I've never played any of the Watch Dogs games. Me neither. And this one, it looked cool, but it, it didn't, like, I don't know. It wasn't, it didn't blow me away kind of a thing. Um, as we just noticed, I didn't even pick up on the uh, amount of followers or uh, I can't remember. Recruits. Recruits. I didn't even pay attention close enough to like, pick that up, apparently. Um, but more than any of that, like the date makes it tough for me. Um, where, like like you said, two weeks before Cyberpunk. And you got Assassin's Creed, you know, two weeks later as well. And there's some other stuff coming out around that, that time of year. And it's just, that's a tough, you know, that's a tough time to ask me to buy that game right totally understandable and here's the thing is this is the most innovative concept i've seen for a video game since the nemesis system and despite the nemesis system being a lord of the rings game the thing that sold me on wanting to play that game immediately was the nemesis system wasn't that it was a lord of the rings game which is crazy considering like i'm a huge lord of the rings fan with this game i'm buying it for the concept dom i'm not buying it for because it's watchdogs i just think it's a really cool video game experience i have yet to experience so that's why I'm interested in it. And who huh. knows if this thing comes out and like gets really good reviews and is exciting, it might be a game you look forward to at a discount yeah. maybe in the future. So Yeah, that's a good point. If it comes out to like pretty stellar reviews, then I, I mean, even maybe right then I, I might jump in. But you bring up a good point, though, that yeah, I think it's a good idea to reward these types of risks and innovation in gameplay, especially, right? Of, um, this is weird. Like This is a weird concept. Of like there's not like a single protagonist or whatever and i don't know if it's going to work or not but like in my head like like i want them to try it i'm glad that they're yeah. able to try this and i even if like i don't ever get into this game 
I would hate for like Ubisoft to see it, you know, not perform well. And then the next time someone pitches something that's a little riskier gameplay wise, it gets shot down. Right. Um, Cause that's, that's how we get new and cool shit as uh, by people taking risks. But if, if the risks are never rewarded um, and not that they should be just on the sole basis of, you know, trying something new, um, it yeah. has to be something new that is good and worth it. But um, it's, it's something to think about, I guess. It's like, I, I want to reward it to some extent, you know, studios trying new stuff. So, yeah, there's a difference between like this and that mankind human odyssey or whatever. That's a really weird concept for a game where you start as like a baboon and you evolve. Remember that? It like looked very low performance. It came out last year. That's just a weird concept trying something different and it just doesn't look like the quality or effort was there, right? Whereas it's not like a fully fleshed out idea. Whereas this is a new concept. And for me, and I think a lot of other people, hopefully it sells them on at least trying it. Here's the thing too, guys. We have to be realistic about this. This is make or break for Watch Dogs. The yeah. first two games sold very poorly. This game has an astronomical budget, I would assume, based on just the work that went into it. If this game doesn't sell, it's Delay. probably going to be the last Watch Dogs we see for a while, if ever. Yeah. So it not saying you should buy it on that, so. but you know, just be wary of that. If this game doesn't sell, no matter how good the game is, it could be the end of Watch Dogs. Um, yeah, but I'm excited. And like you said, you should reward innovative stuff if it earns that, not just because. It's, hey, here's a new idea. Buy it because, you know. Right. We saw yeah. that with, like, Death Stranding a lot, too, right? Where it's like, maybe that got some praise just for being weird and innovative and different for the sole fact of that. Whereas, like, yeah, it's cool, and I want people to try new weird stuff like this, but don't, you know, don't buy it and play it just because of that, necessarily. Um, yeah. Because if it doesn't work for you, then it doesn't work. It's, uh, a, it's a tough balance to act, I guess. And Another game that got me excited when I saw gameplay for it, finally, even waiting forever, Assassin's Creed Valhalla has a release date of November 17th, which is tough. That's two days before Cyberpunk. Um, here's hoping Cyberpunk doesn't get delayed, but if it did, I wouldn't be too mad. <laughs> no, not but, at all. Yeah. Um, obviously, for that game specifically, but also because like, Assassin's Creed is right in its spot. They should have focused on gameplay revolving around enemy factions. So there's five different enemy types, the most in Assassin's Creed. All of them have their own little attack patterns and ways and strategies. There's like this forest tribe who will uh, double team you, want to hold you and attack you. Uh, there's like these like shadow step guys. You remember seeing that, uh, Dom, where the guy was like do dipping and dodging, coming at you kind of crazy. Um, they showed new combat moves. They showed settlement building, exploration, one thing that wasn't in the presentation, but Greg Miller of Kind of Funny, who got to play this game for three hours along with a lot of other press, is he said that the way the map functions is that it is Ubisoft in the sense that there's markers on the map, but they're color-coded and they don't give you specific information like Assassin's Creed games in the past. So if you remember for Odyssey, you'd hover over like a little gold diamond and be like, uh, this is this dude, you got to talk to him about this, yada, 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 and give you the whole spiel, right? In that little, like, paragraph. This doesn't do that. This is like, go meet Bob here, or Bob is somewhere here. And it's, like, a, a little bit more vague. It seems like it meets in between the two game modes you can choose in Odyssey, where there's, like, the exploration and, like, the normal video game play, mm -hmm. where it gives you clues and stuff. So that got me uh, pretty excited. This game looks awesome. Uh, I don't know if it'll be a game of the year contender or anything, but it looks like... A solid Viking RPG that innovates enough from Odyssey to get me into the mix. And they brought back a lot of those fantastical elements that Odyssey had where you might be running into some, like, 
uh, Norse gods or something, you know what I mean? Or witchcraft. Um, yeah, I'm sold on Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Uh, you might be able to get into this too, Dom, of like, you know, people talking trash about the quality of the game, but that didn't bother me too much. I thought it looked beautiful um, for what I'd expect from Assassin's Creed. And it's also a game streaming and through the, you know, presentation. I don't know. I'm excited. What did you think about the Valhalla presentation? Yeah, I, I think it looks great. Um, it, it showed really well, finally. Um, like we got to see like as much as we wanted. Um, but yeah, it, I, I think you hit the nail on the head with like, it looks like it's doing enough new stuff. It's it, you know, it's, it's bringing enough new stuff to the table from Odyssey because Odyssey was great. Um, so that's that, that would be tough to not just do the same thing, but in a different continent or whatever, right? Or I guess yeah. Same continent, but just, just copy paste it. You know what I mean, right? Um, so yeah, Far Cry like Primal it, right? So like, just give it right. a coat of paint. Yeah. So so yeah, it looks like they're doing enough new stuff to make this worth, uh, you know, worth worthy of a sequel. And um, the one thing that I, will remain to be seen, like my like the absolute best part about Odyssey to me was the story itself was was okay, but the main the protagonist Cassandra uh, was just excellent, and all the dialogue from her and, and with the NPCs and stuff was just like absolutely brilliant, and I love that character. And that's going to be tough to match, you know? So, if, yeah. And obviously that's been a problem with some Assassin's Creed games in the past where like the protagonist is just kind of like, meh, like that you don't care for him that much. Um, I'm thinking back to like Assassin's Creed three, <sighs> but then some are really great, like in four, but everyone liked Edward Kenway or whatever. And everyone obviously loved Ezio, but then the very first game, Altair or whatever, he was kind of a meh character. So it seems like Assassin's Creed characters are hit or miss. <laughs> So we'll see yeah. if um, Avior, I don't know if I said that right, is uh, as cool of a character. Yeah. Avior is as cool of a character as Cassandra, because that to me is like a big deal. Because that was my favorite part about Odyssey. Like the story was was fine, um, the gameplay was fun. It was cool enough, um, but then it was just a cool world and and all the everything else was like good. But the character, the protagonist, is what like made it over and above for me. A great detail. So the way Odyssey worked is there was two separate storylines. They converge or whatever, brother and sister, right? With this game, the way it works is that you can change between male and female Eivor at any point. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off as the one I don't want to be, which is male Eivor. I'm going to see how his voice performance is, and then I'm going to change to female Eivor and see which voice performance I personally think is better um and fits the game and i'm gonna run with that one the fact that you can yeah, shift it on the fly awesome. makes me want to give the opportunity to both actors and see which one i connect with more because though i connected with cassandra who's to say that melee Eivor might just be a better performance you know yeah. who knows oh, yeah, of course so i'm yeah, gonna check that out cool. i'm glad they give you the option yeah that's pretty cool that they have that in there um and then they also mentioned something about um because odyssey Apparently fumbled something with the DLC as far as romance options, depending on the gender you picked. I didn't. I don't remember the details about it, but they mentioned it was based on your game. sexuality. There was a weird thing where like Cassandra was forced to be in a straight relationship, even if you played her as a gay character. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because you could have played the initial game uh, lesbian, and then it would have forced you to be to be straight. Get impregnated by a male. Yeah. Which is <laughs> that's pretty fucked up, actually. Yeah. Um, Makes sense why people are mad. <laughs> for yeah. sure. Um, but. They did mention for this one that there won't be any kind of restrictions as far as uh, romantic options or whatever. So that's cool, too. Hot, sweaty Viking sex. Just all over the yeah. place. <laughs> right. Why not? Yeah. Um, lastly, this would have been really awesome if it didn't leak, but it's not a Ubisoft year if something doesn't leak from them. 
Far Cry 6 is coming February 18th. That was the date that was leaked, February 18th, 2021. Uh, starring Giancarlo Esposito. Takes place in a fictional Havana slash Cuba. Forgot the actual name for it. It's a made-up country, but it's essentially Cuba. Uh, and it's focused on the father-son relationship between Esposito's character and his son, Diego. There's some weird rumors saying that it's like a prequel and the little kid is Voss. That's unproven yet. There's a weird like eyebrow thing people are insinuating. Um, it would be cool if it's a prequel. I'm still interested if it isn't. Yeah. I wonder if this is the point in which Far Cry becomes focused on the narrative in the sense that either the expansion that comes after this, the standalone expansion, or the next Far Cry is Diego's story, where he's the villain, right? If this is going to matter moving forward because it is a young kid seeing how his father is treated and handles everything. Like, what does that relationship mean to the grand scope of Far Cry, right? Between the, the Esposito, Esposito's character and his son. I thought it looked really cool. The opening trailer thingy, like the credits, was a little long for my taste. That's probably the intro to the game. You're probably going to watch that when you boot it up in February. Um, but the actual cinematic trailer I thought was really good with him having his son hold the grenade and the symbolism yeah. there. Uh, I'd watch that dude act against a paint wall. Like, Esposito's so good at what he does. And uh, the, between, you know, the Mandalorian and obviously his mo most iconic role, that being in uh, Breaking Bad. Um, and Better Call Saul. That's and Better Call Saul. In the, in the Breaking Universe, the Breaking Saul Universe. There we go. The break of verse. Uh, yeah, so I'm stoked on it. Far Cry 6, did it ruffle your feathers? Are you stoked? I know you love Esposito as well. Yeah, this is a thousand percent on my alley. Like, I'm, I'm super pumped. Um, because, yeah, I love Breaking Bad and, and uh, Esposito. He's like, he's excellent. Um, and frankly, I've only seen him play the same characters or whatever, the same like two characters, but I mean, that's fine with me. I don't, I don't care if he does or doesn't have range. Like, he's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, at, at acting that character of that just like stone cold like terrifying villain who doesn't shout or yell or like it, he just creates fear in this weird just monotone kind of way and i don't know anyone else or any other characters really that have done something quite like that um and it seems like for this game they're like yeah do the same stuff you've been doing in tv man because it's working <laughs> and i'm all for it um yeah that that cinematic with his son was like i mean i'm sitting for the most of this i'm like yep watching this ubisoft press conference and like yeah okay it's cool it's watch dogs it's whatever you know um but then this trailer comes up and i was like i was like on the edge of my seat like it was intense uh it's like i i know the kid isn't about to drop a grenade because like he's in the game right but um yeah, like the whole time i was like uh, i was just super nervous like it was a great trailer and i'm excited because i loved all the previous far cry games um except like one and two i never played but three four and five were all excellent and um like that, that gameplay has always been super satisfying to me. So this is one where uh, I'm pretty much in already, kind of a thing. Um, there, what I did read some like concerns about, you know, the, the way Esposito being European and playing a South that, American character. Yeah, yeah, that which I didn't even know. And uh, apparently, there's a whole portion of people out there that really don't like his Hispanic accent. And I had never thought about that, but I guess I couldn't disagree. I never. Here's the thing. I'm Hispanic. <laughs> I'm not South American, though, right? So I can't speak for everybody. <clears throat> but I'm Hispanic, and growing up with Hispanic people, I think it's enough that it passes. And he is the type of actor that I think will. He's not going to do something and not be respectful of what he's doing. He seems to take his job very seriously. And once again, want to say again, 
I don't speak for all Latinos. I'm just saying for me, it works for me and I don't have an issue. But yeah. if it bothers people at a grand scale, that you know what I mean? So Yeah, totally. I, I was kind of the same thing. Like I understand people's concerns and, and respect that. I obviously I don't I don't really have that issue because I don't I mean, I'm me. I'm like white and I don't really Yeah. <laughs> I never I don't have these problems, luckily. Um and I'm aware of that I guess. But I didn't know it was surprising to me to learn that yeah he's like italian and so from a perspective i could see like well I, i'm trying to picture like a typical italian character in a game or movie and he wouldn't really fit that from the same lens i don't know i have no idea i just thought it was worth pointing out i guess i don't have a strong the, opinion on it. <laughs> the thing with the representation in actors and stuff is a very muddy ocean like i don't think it's very black and like it's not as black and white as people would like to think because I think there are exceptions that work and it's a thing you have to navigate. I don't know. It is it is good to voice that there are those concerns, though. Um, there was something I was going to tell you about this game. What was it going to be? I don't remember. Can't remember. Anyways, Far Cry 6 coming out next February. Can't wait. So stoked. Oh, what I was going to say is the character he nails is if Hannibal Lecter was a regional manager. Like, just to a T. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Uh, uh, so let's get into these. Oh, real quick. Additional news. According to Video Games Chronicle, their sources state that Skull and Bones has been rebooted into an open world live service title. This report comes months after the game's previous director left Ubisoft after the game received an indefinite delay. So remember the director left. We were like, yo, what's happening with this game? Is it just vaporware now? Turns out it's completely rebooted. Makes sense why the director would leave, right? No longer his vision. What's the point of me being on the project if it's not going to be the game I wanted to make in the first place? Bye. Um, weird that's going to be a live service title. And it's going to be open world. I don't know if they're going to... So are they going to try to sell Assassin's Creed 4 multiplayer? You know what I mean? That's what it sounds like to me. Um, and I wonder if it'll be branded Assassin's Creed Skull and Bones. Because I don't know if that IP will be able to live on its own. You know what I mean? Or Who knows? Or be like Sea of Thieves with a realistic art style. Or, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Um, anyways, that's it for Skull and Bones. Let's get into these predictions Dom had for the Ubisoft Forward, and then we'll get into the Xbox stuff. So, Dom, I'm going to tell you what your prediction was, and if you got it right or wrong. First one, I asked you, will Far Cry 6 be in a South American country? You said yes. Nailed it. Congratulations, you got that one right. Cuba, Central America? Uh, Cuba's technically, like... North America, I think. Actually, I don't know where it falls in ownership. Hold on. Because it's right Cuba. off Florida, right? So is that... It's an island. Here's the thing. The spirit of the question was a Spanish-speaking <laughs> country below yeah. the United States. Yeah, I'll take the point. Fuck, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at a map here. Hold on. No, it's, it's considered Latin America. Cuba's considered Latin, Latin America. America. Okay, that's so, a good way to put it. Latin America. Yeah. yeah, so technically not South America, but the spirit of the question, you got it right. Next up, more than five minutes of Assassin's Creed Five continuous gameplay. Remember, we said continuous. Uh, five. We had five minutes of gameplay, but it was like, you know, intercut with stuff. So you said yes. I'm going to give you a half a point on that. Not a complete wrong. <laughs> uh, Gods and Monsters, will it be shown? You said yes. No show. Didn't pop up. Next up, Watch Dogs Legion, will we get a release date? You said no release window. We got a specific release date, so no on that. Uh, Rainbow Six Quarantine, will it pop up? You said no. I said, will it have a name change? You said no. Also no. So you got both those correct. 
A splinter cell. Will that show up, Dom? You said, hell no. I'm a pessimist. Not going to happen. You were correct. There was a mobile Next game, up, right? Well, it's not called Splinter Cell, though. It's called Tom yeah. Clancy's Elite Squad. Yeah. Uh, I said, Beyond Good and Evil 2. Is it showing up? You said, no. Hell no. Got that one correct. <laughs> Continuing to break my heart. Dom, are we seeing Ubiart again? No. Got that one correct. Tom, but we got to see Rayman, right? Nope. Got that one correct. Uh, so just nailing them. Skull and Bones, you said no. Obviously, we have news now. It's a completely different game. Uh, how many new games? IP. Here's the thing. I originally thought you were right. You said two. And I thought, oh, that weird Dungeons and or Monsters and Magic game and Far Cry 6, that's two games, right? Brand new games. New IP. Uh, well, no, we said new games or IP combined. Oh, okay, okay. Problem is, that game was announced like months ago, that weird mobile game, my Magic game, so it's not new. Oh. Uh, you, had, you know, Far Cry 6 was the only new one, so you didn't get that one right. And lastly, Tom, are we seeing another Nintendo collaboration after, you know... Uh, Donkey Kong Kingdom Battle was so successful. You said, no, we're not seeing it. You were correct. So the total, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight right and four wrong. Eight and four record. Respectable in the NFL. Really solid record. So we'll take it. You're competing for the division, but you probably end up with a wild card. Yeah. I mean, you could go eight and eight. You know what I mean? You could yeah, go eight yeah. and eight. <laughs> um, so let's get into all this Xbox news. It's, it's weird. These last couple of weeks, we've been hearing a bunch of stuff over and over again. Uh, so this week, Xbox released two written pieces on the Xbox Wire blog detailing various information in regards to Xbox Series X and their initiatives. Second one's more interesting generally to people than the first one. So the first one was Velocity Architecture, described by Jason Rold. The Xbox Series X Director of Project Management discusses the components of the architecture and what it means for both players and developers. I didn't want to get into, the, into it on the podcast because it's a little too techy. I think for people to just listen to go Google velocity architecture on the Xbox website, it'll pop up. It's a really good read. It talks about the compression systems they're using and all of the stuff going into the series X to bring developers the best situation to develop on. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's worth talking about on this podcast is two dudes who probably have to parse through the information themselves and figure out what the hell's going on. So definitely give that a look. The second one is the more interesting one. And that dropped like a hot, Tamale today, Dom. This came by way of Phil Spencer, our big boy Phil. Uncle you are the future of, you are the future of gaming. What a bold statement. <laughs> uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a part of the introduction to this article, bullet points that were mentioned in the article, and then his closing statement. There's a lot more specifics and stuff he talked about. If you want to go read the article in full, but to cover it on this podcast, I kind of truncated it to the. The tastiest tidbits. So, at the dawn of the next generation, this is Phil's words, it's important to be clear about what you can expect from the future of Xbox. Our vision has one hero at the heart of it all. You. In all bold. And the whole intro reads like a victory speech in a war movie. Like, you could just play like the, the final Avengers theme in Infinity War and it just nails it. Here is bullet points. You are always welcome. This is where he talks about, and this is all me paraphrasing the actual paragraph, so please go read his actual words. He talks about the positioning, uh, a positioning Xbox as an inclusive, welcoming, and less toxic community where jerks and the intolerant aren't welcome at all. This is an initiative we've seen a lot of people take over the last couple of months. Your games will look and play best on Series X. This is the second bullet point. And this is where he just talks the specs of the Series X, stuff we've talked about numerous times on the podcast. Number three, 
you play new games day one with Xbox Game Pass. He talks about how all of the first-party games launch into Game Pass to the day they're there, which is obviously a huge deal when you're buying a $300 to $500 new console, knowing that you'll if you have Game Pass, you'll be able to play Halo and don't have to, have to spend another $60 or $70, right? Next bullet point. You won't be forced into next-gen. This seems like a direct shot across the bow at PlayStation. And he specifically states that Games will be able to be played for multiple generations and get Xbox Game Studios games will be published on the family of Xbox consoles for, quote, the next couple of years. Now, Dom, this is a sentiment you've heard before that they're pretty much only guaranteeing like the next two years, right, of all of this working out this way. Because I do think in some capacity they want to move forward to games being developed for the next-gen hardware, right? Yeah, you always cut off eventually, right? You got to... Um, let the old stuff die eventually, but they're, yeah, they're going with their games, you know, trying to lengthen that period of, uh, at least from a first party perspective, you know, of transition for people so that, yeah, you're not like, you don't feel forced to, you know, go into the next generation to get the, to be able to get, you know, a same or similar experience. Right. And yeah, it seems like it won't be much longer than what third parties usually do because third parties usually support both platforms because of the install basis for a couple of years, you know? So yeah, that's uh, the thing is, yeah, third parties that probably even sometimes go longer, especially like, I feel like Madden and that and Call of maybe not Call of Duty, but Madden and sports games like go way like they stay on old gen for a while, even if it gets, even if those versions you know get significantly you know smaller and smaller each year, but they they support the old stuff for a while. But first parties usually tend to, in the past at least, have tended to like want to hard get, cut get off. And, yeah, uh, I mean. FIFA was releasing on in, on the PS2 in Brazil up until a couple of years ago, I think. So right. third-party yeah. publishers will, will do what they need to. Um, next up, your games will not be left behind thanks to backwards compatibility. The in- and this is Phil's word specifically. Intent is to have all non-connect Xbox One games ready at launch. This is a- also another shot across the bow at PlayStation because PlayStation has said PlayStation 4 games are going to be backwards compatible. They haven't once given any estimate as to... They've said thousands of them. They haven't doubled down on will they be available at launch? When should we expect them? They've even gone as far as to remove some of that language from their website because this technology is a lot of work, right? It's not easy. And I'm pretty sure PlayStation is having a tough time getting this all situated. And it might be post-launch that they have to deal with this. So the fact that their their intent is to have all these non-X, non-connect Xbox One games at launch... That bolsters the launch lineup there in and of itself of like, yeah, you don't have to worry. You can play all the games you already own on top of whatever launch titles you want to play. If you can only afford the console and you can't afford new games, you still have your library. You can get into next gen and play the games you already have, you know? So pretty interesting stuff there. I don't know if you want anything to add there to backwards compatibility in that discussion. No, that, you know, it's a good point because we knew, yeah, we knew there'd be backwards compatibility. Um, but yeah, it, it's wise for them to reiterate and specifically reiterate you know, at least the intent, uh, strongly worded, it sounds like we can probably bet our marbles that it'll happen like they intended to, even though they leave the tiniest bit of doubt there. But I, I don't think that that's just probably. protective language, right? It's right. just like the yeah. intent is. Yeah. Yeah. Way um, stronger wording and confidence than like, like you said about PlayStation where they were like, yeah, we're going to do it when we do it. Right. <laughs> we'll yeah. We're gonna uh, try. PSN name changes. Remember that it was coming soon for like right. two years. Um, and, and I'm not trying to bash PlayStation. Like, I think PlayStation gamers deserve back and pad at this point, and it'll come, hopefully. Um, next up, 
Your Xbox One accessories come to the future with you. This is pretty self-explanatory. We already know your headsets, third-party peripherals, your uh, controllers, all of that's going to work day one out of the box. So you don't have to worry about, if you're a family, you don't have to worry about buying more controllers. You'll have the controller that comes to the box and still use the host of ones you bought for your Xbox you already have, right? So that's really cool. On top of the fact, this is something we rarely talk about, but I think me and you commend it so much is the adaptive controller. Being able mm -hmm. to let people of all walks of life and disabilities play video games, that's going to work day one too, which is huge. Um, so that's incredible. Um, that thing's so awesome. Next up, you can buy games at no additional cost. This is a paragraph where he talks about smart delivery. Um, and they're, they, they're not mandating it, but they are strongly pushing publishers towards doing smart delivery. Um, next up. You choose how to jump in. This is something we also don't talk about too often, but we've we've seen the news stories about it, which is the all-access program, Dom, where you can make payments towards the console and not have to buy it outright, remember? They actually did it for the Xbox Series X where they said you can jump into that and then you can trade that in for the... Uh, sorry, the 1X, and you can trade that in for the Series X and then just do your payments towards that as well, and it carries over and everything. And that's smart because especially in the economy and situation we're currently in, I think people really want to get into next-gen, but maybe some people can't afford that chunky $500 price point, but they could swing $50 to $75 a month, right? And just having multiple venues for people to get into your ecosystem, that's entirely Xbox's thing now. And I'm interested to see how many people jump on All Access. Do you think it might be more successful than we're giving it credit for? Uh, I have no idea. It's a good question. because um, I feel like that hasn't been marketed quite as much um no but maybe that will change uh, as we lead into series x because this like this is going to be an expensive console uh, we assume right and so like maybe as we get closer that'll be something they push more like you know th you, this is well, a good you know we can help you finance this thing if you use this right so well on stage i could imagine at the august thing we're expecting right where they go and this is just me guessing series x is 500 dollars. they put the 500 hundred dollar box on hey but if that's too much for you right now Here's this brand new console. They do the trailer, yada, yada, $300. And then they say at the end, I know those are big, big uh, expenditures you have to do. Here's our all-access program. And then Phil gives a spiel on it, right? I could totally see that happening where they, they market it on stage when they're announcing the price, right? Because they want to give anybody and everybody every avenue to jump in. So that'll probably be where it happens. Uh, next up, you are in control. This is basically talking about all the family settings and stuff. You're in control of your experience. Do what you need to do, yada, yada, yada. Nothing too interesting there. And then the last one, this is where it gets into uh, some interesting stuff. You'll get more with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. In September, and this came out of nowhere. No one expected to hear this today, right? In September, xCloud will be added to Xbox Game Pass Ultimate at no additional cost in supported countries. This is huge. Uh, we didn't see this coming. Obviously, you're really excited about xCloud because in the future it means you won't have to buy a console as a playstation priority gamer you can still enjoy xbox's stuff through streaming right so did this hit you out of nowhere did you expect not only xcloud to come out in september but for it to be added to ultimate game pass ultimate for no additional cost i i wouldn't have said it came out of nowhere but I mean, this is what we maybe not expected but what we hoped right we've been yeah. talking about this for like a year now what and then when stadia came out and like showed how they were doing their business model and pricing model we had been talking about like Oh yeah, we we hope that Xbox would just make this a part of Game Pass and kind of combine those two things, uh, Game Pass and, and XCloud, and they they did, um, and they did it in a way that makes a lot of sense. I think, um, where yep, if uh, if you're already a 
Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, then like, yeah, you can also stream those same games through xCloud, which is, you know, at no additional cost, which is excellent. And I think there's probably a lot of uh, Ultimate subscribers too, especially after they were running that promotion where you can consolidate or combine your your gold with your Game Pass or whatever to just basically upgrade to Ultimate, which is only like, even like full price is still 15 bucks a month. That's considering what you're getting. That's very, you know, not very much money, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and they just added, it was already a good deal and they just added, you know, a whole streaming, a game streaming service on top of it. So like with a c- catalog of games, like I, this is, yeah, I guess it, it, it feels like it came out of nowhere from the sense of like, it's that freaking awesome and that cool that that's how they're, yeah. they're going about xCloud. It was as good as we hoped it would be, is I yeah. think is the best way to put it. Yeah. And yeah, for somebody like me, I have Game Pass Ultimate through like June of 2022 at this point, just because it like stacked. Uh, so I'm excited. And also uh, remember the xCloud locally, you're not going to have to pay for because your local Xbox will act as its own server, which you're paying for in what's included in the Ultimate is the non-home stuff, right? Of like streaming elsewhere and all that. So just keep that yeah. in mind. And that and that's worth pointing out, but like I feel like we're getting to the point where like most people who is when we get into next gen, especially like if you have an Xbox, you probably have Game Pass, right? Like, yeah. And that's if you're the type of user who's going to be using XCloud, you're probably an Ultimate subscriber, right? You right. Probably have Game Pass. Yeah. That Venn diagram and, is probably close to a circle, right? And on top of this announcement, people are noting that you can no longer buy year memberships of Xbox Live Gold. So it seems like they're going to be phasing that out too to make Game Pass Ultimate like the main thing. Or just everything included. So it's less confusing, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. I wanted to mention Matt Biscatella, friend of the show. Uh, he doesn't know us, but we know him. And we talk <laughs> about him a lot. Uh, obviously works at the MPD group. He had a really cool tweet where he said, Gotta be frank, this is a huge blow to the other cloud services and gives Xbox a pretty massive advantage in the space. I didn't think it would come with Game Pass Ultimate, to be honest. Thought there would be additional charges. Content plus easy use plus low cost. Few. P-H-E-W, not F-E-W. <laughs> Like, um, yeah, I think he has a, obviously somebody who has a handle in the sales space of uh, video game numbers. He's, I think he understands what's coming and we've seen Stadia kind of fumble it. And yeah, for this to be at no additional cost, that's the craziest thing because the, the service they're providing you, they could easily tack $5 on and maybe not everyone would be happy about it, but it would justify it, right? Like oh, yeah. 20 bucks a month and you get the cloud services. Crazy that it's no additional charge insane and, th- and then to have that too not just for game pass but then um games you may have bought individually you could stream those from the cloud too or yep. from your console or, I-, I feel like you're just basically it's basically like you're covered no matter where you're at or where you're going like you'll be able to play something i guess yeah and i think the thing people are having trouble understanding is that it's not like google in the sense that it's its own self-contained platform separate of stuff it is uh, essentially an Xbox you can stream from anywhere, your Xbox. So you'll get access to your library, you'll get access to Game Pass. It's not this weird thing where you have to buy a separate version of Gears of War 5 that works on xCloud, right? I, I think people are kind of confused by that. It's like, no, it's just, it's literally going to be a service where you can stream your Xbox account to anywhere. Okay. That's the best way to think about it. Yeah. All right, I, th- I think you got me. So, like, if you didn't have an Xbox, and I don't know how many of these people are going to exist, <laughs> it might be few. If you didn't have an Xbox and you didn't, you could, could you just buy a game like for $60 and stream it from xCloud? Yeah, because it's tied to your Microsoft account, right? Okay. okay so, so here's the difference. 
Okay. I'll explain it this way. This is the best way to explain it. Say, I know you have an Xbox, but say you didn't have an Xbox, right? Say you didn't own one. I have an Xbox. The free thing is I can use my own Xbox as a cloud server to stream anywhere, mm -hmm. right, in my vicinity. The other thing is what you're talking about where you're not using your own owned Xbox. You're using Xboxes in Seattle, right? They, here's Dom's Xbox in Seattle. And, oh, okay, on his account, he has he owns Gears of War. He has the the ownership rights of that. He can stream that from our Xbox. That's the best but way I to guess, explain it. But I guess to be able to do that, I would have to be a game, an ultimate subscriber anyway. And Gears is yes. on there. So it's like... I guess it all. That's it, all this. It, Gears it is a works. bad. Uh, Cyberpunk would be a better. Example. There we go. Yeah, yeah, because it's a third party title. Uh, yeah, so it's it's very interesting. Uh, Benji Sales, who's also a prominent business video game person on Twitter, also added: Microsoft have been doing a stellar job the last few years in regards to building up and improving services. They are the company best positioned for huge success in the streaming subscription space, and I agree. The yeah. thing is, PlayStation needs to make a move. We've talked about PS Now is not not successful. But in terms of optics and market share in the grand scheme of things, I do think it needs a facelift, right? And I wonder, are they going to play this to where, like, oh, it's profitable, who cares about it, and that might bite them in the butt in the long run? Or are they going to be like, let's do a refresh, let's hit it hard from the jump, you know what I mean? Because, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see how they do, uh, especially considering they're using Xboxes as your servers, right? <laughs> So yeah. Xbox is going to profit off of that as well, which is really interesting. Just like PlayStation profits off of all the Blu-ray drives and Xboxes. Uh, well, not PlayStation, Sony, but you know what I mean. Uh, let's get to the rest of this here. I'm going to read Phil's closing statement, and then we're going to get to the predictions. I have some questions for you, Dom, okay? So here's Phil's closing statement. The future of gaming has never been more exciting and limitless. It's the future you'll explore on your terms, not constrained by restrictive policies. Shots fired where your gaming legacy will not be left behind and where you will not be locked out of new exclusives, uh, new exclusives, shots fired. Xbox Game Studios games uh, will be on there uh, and stay with you on your current console for a while if you choose. It's a future where you and your friends play the most immersive, responsive, and vivid games together on every screen in your life and where games reach across the world and bring you stories you've never experienced before. It's a future in which you get more value from your games and where everyone is welcome. We hope you'll join us next Thursday for the Xbox Game Showcase for the first look at the Halo Infinite campaign and more. Thanks for so much. Thanks so much for shaping the future of gaming, Phil. I think that was a really concise statement. It covered everything he had mentioned before in the bullet points, right? In in simple sentences, and he did brag a little bit and shoot some shots across the bow at PlayStation of like, you know, we're consumer friendly, we're consumer focused, which is the path they need to take considering the way this gen went. Um, and lastly, Aaron Greenberg had a tweet, Dom, because we had talked about, are they going to show the price of this event? Are they waiting for that? Will we see Lockhart? What's going to happen? And I think this even, Aaron Greenberg's statement to me, shoots down the idea of us hearing about acquisitions either. He tweeted, I know everyone is excited for Xbox Game Showcase next Thursday, seeing some wild expectations. So if helpful, this show has one focus, games. No business, no devices, or similar news, just games. A whole show about an hour long focused on games. Hope you enjoy it. I'm happy they learned from May. They're setting expectations correctly. For me, devices, that means no Lockhart. Other news, price, not seeing it. The no business thing, why would he mention business? I think that is acquisitions. I think people, he's probably reading, oh, did they buy WB games? Are we going to hear about that? And I think they're like, no, you're not going to hear about acquisitions. Here's the thing. I think that's the one thing where they could set expectations low to surprise people. 
right? I don't think they'd lie about the price and then announce it or like the, uh, what was the other thing? The lock car and then announce it. I think the acquisition thing though, I could, they could be like, you're not going to see any of that. And then maybe they announce the acquisition of a smaller studio. So people were expecting nothing and they're not let down by like, if they, you know, get don't not or a smaller studio, that's not WB games. Right. So you're kind of covering your bases. That being yeah, said, I don't think we're seeing acquisitions period, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't count on it. That's definitely a tricky game because while it would be easy to just be like, Oh yeah, no devices. And then when the day comes reveal, uh, uh, Lockhart, and you get a good you get a good bang at that day, right? Because no one expected it. But then after that, like, no one's ever going to believe you again, so that you won't be able to set proper expectations going forward. So even next time, if you say this is just a low key thing, everyone's going to expect the sun and the moon, because yeah. last time you lied about it and you gave more, right? So I don't think you want to you want to be careful if you're going to, you know, undersell too much, especially with your worded verbiage. And, I, and I'm like and getting into it really deeply. So save I don't think the that big a deal save the hype for when you know you're going to announce it and be like, yeah, we're, we have some device stuff and then people can start speculating and that builds a hype for that specific event and you get two news cycles out of it. Right. So, yeah, uh, it's a, it's a tricky act to try to balance. And it's really unfair from a PR standpoint to try to get set ex- people's expectations properly. Cause sometimes they'd like to just run away with it, obviously. Yeah. But they learned from me, I think. And they're like, yo, chill. And obviously we wanted it to be all games, right? I'm excited. It's going to be all games. It's going to be cool. Oh yeah. Halo. Here's some predictions. Here's some predictions. I'm going to give my answer after you give your answer, just so that way you're not influenced at all. So how many of the 14 studios, I'm excluding Xbox Game Studios publishing because, like, they publish indie games and stuff, you know what I mean? And they're technically one of the 15 studios. So how many of the 14 studios will show up? Five. Out of all, four, out of all 14, you're only saying five will show up? Five, six. <laughs> okay. So, I'm assuming you think 343 is going to be there. Duh. Right? Uh, Ninja Theory, do you think is going to be there with Hellblade? Yeah. Uh, What about Rare with Everwild, that new game they showed off with the Breath of the Wild aesthetic? Sure. Project 10, they're the people that do the Forza games? Yeah. Playground, a Fable game? I'm going to say no on, on Fable initiative no so you don't think we see initiative or playground interesting Mm. no this one i'm actually this one i'm actually going to give my answer and then i'll let you see if you want to change your answer okay because this one's kind of complicated i said 10 okay out of the 14 the ones i don't think we're going to see are turn 10 forza team forza 7 really because yeah, I don't know why we'd see that game and then not have it at launch. I think if you show that game now, people are going to expect it at launch and be disappointed. Oh, it was I'm not a launch title. It was launch, but I guess I don't know why I assume that. We don't. Yeah, we the game doesn't guess, even technically exist. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just so other, used to it. <laughs> uh, out of the the other three, Compulsion. That's the uh, We Happy Few people. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they're ready because they were still finishing DLC for that game on their prior publishing partnership. Uh, the Initiative. I think out of all their major studios, they're the ones that are the earliest in, like, and their game seems the most massive, right? I think it's yeah. too early. Uh, and then Undead Labs. I don't. I think it's still too soon for State of Decay 3 because with them being under Microsoft now, they've talked about in interviews that, like, they're making the jump. This is no longer going to be, like, a double-A janky zombie game. Apparently, from what we've heard, like, they want to take this to the Left 4 Dead, not Last of Us, but, you know, zombie, like a triple-A zombie game. You know what I mean? 
Um, so I, I doubt it's too early for them too. So that's why I said 10. I think we're going to see Mojang showing off what Minecraft looks like. I think we're probably going to see the Coalition giving us the release date for the console version of Gears Tactics. I think there's like going to be... Even the studios we already know stuff are going to show up and show something. You know, uh, not NXL. What's the other one? Outer Worlds, guys? Obsidian. Obsidian? They might not have their new game, but what if they announce an expansion for the Outer Worlds? You know? I, I, I'm going with 10. Are you sticking with 6? Yeah, I'm going to stay with 6. I mean, okay. honestly, I, it could be like anywhere in between. Like in there, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. This isn't prices right rules either, so whoever's just closest, period, will get the point. Uh, next up, do we see a WB property? Here's the oh, thing. Shit. It could be Harry Potter. Could it be Batman? Yeah. Could be uh, a new Lord of the Rings Shadow of Game? Could be something else. I, that's why I made it vague, because I think it's more interesting that way. In a different in a different year where they're I'm not being sold. No. <laughs> yeah, where they're not being sold and there wasn't a pandemic and there wasn't a traditional E three and I you know what I mean? It just seems I, I just I don't, I don't want to get too excited. Like I was I did pretty well on the Ubisoft predictions by being a pessimistic jackass. So I'm gonna <laughs> stick with that attitude here. It is weird that WB was gonna have an E three conference, remember? Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. And we don't know anything from them. Uh, I said no as well. Next, over under six minutes of uncut extended gameplay of Halo Infinite. Under. Okay. I said over. Uh, <laughs> do we see multiplayer at all? No. Same. I said no. The, well, they specifically pointed out they were going to sh- show the campaign. So I don't yeah. think they would have said it like that if not to just set people's expectations. So they're not like, well, where's the multiplayer? Damn it. Like, and like... That works totally as its own inside Xbox of like, yo, announce the beta for it. That'll be huge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah. could have its own thing. Uh, next up, will Xbox have third-party launch exclusives? Oh, yeah. Okay, I said no. I mean, because that, like, that could even be timed, right? I think they will. Yeah, it counts as timed. I say no. I'm taking, not feel it as word, because he didn't say they wouldn't have launch exclusive, third-party launch exclusives. But for me, I think the most we can get is like, third-party games launching into Game Pass, right? We had that discussion last week of, like, mm. do they spend their money on timed exclusives, or do they just be like, we're going to give you this money. It can come out on PlayStation, but we want this to launch into Game Pass, right? And I could see that. So we'll see. I say no, you say yes. Uh, will we see any more acquisitions? No. Not no, based not on Aaron Greenberg's quote, I said no. Uh, took all the optimism out of me. Here's a good one. Which of these pops up? So you can choose as few or as many as you think, okay? Battletoads, Cuphead DLC, and Play Dead's next game. Remember, Battletoads was revealed last year. It was supposed to come out this year, and we haven't seen it yet. Cuphead DLC was supposed to come out this year. Haven't seen it. Play Dead's game has been in the works for a while. I'm going to say just Cuphead. While I still doubt that it actually comes out this year, I think that Microsoft was able to get a trailer going uh, for that. DLC. I chose Battletoads and Play Dead. I'm literally the opposite Ooh. of you. I think Cuphead's okay. the one because of the hand-drawn animation and COVID and everything. I think that one probably got hit hard. Um, though it's a family that works on it, right? The Molehousers. Mm-hmm. So it's who like knows? two people, right? Or four people or something? It's two brothers and then one of their wives is the PR person, I think. Something like that. MDHR. Studio MDHR. Next up, more gameplay. Uh, which will we see more gameplay of? Okay, Fable or Everwild? Everwild. 
Okay. I am of the opinion that we could see uh, cinem- uh, cinematic stuff for both of them. We could see zero gameplay for both right. if they both show up. Uh, but I said Everwild. I went with you. Uh, lastly, what do they open with and what do they close the show with? They open with Halo and they close... This contradicts one of my earlier predictions, but I, that's fair game because that way I'm going to get one wrong. Yeah, right? cover okay. both. Yeah. yeah. Um, they open with Halo and they close with a tease of Fable. Did you look at my answer? you have my answer? I'm just kidding. Uh, I have the, literally the same thing. Yeah. That, I think, or something around that, right? Like, I, I really think they're going to cold open. Well, after Phil gives his, like, introductory thing, I think it's going to fade to black, cold open to the cinematic for the campaign and then into gameplay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think they're just yeah. going to go right into it. Like just, um, yeah. Oh, that's so hype to think like, just maybe like the piano key, the and then master maybe not chief talks. It's, it might oh. be too, that might be too obvious, but like, yeah, it just, but then it goes right into, it does like a naughty dog, um, where it's a cinematic, but then it just starts in gameplay and like, you're like, Oh shit, we're in now. We're in there now. Right. Controlling. Yeah. Chief. And then it goes into it and then it's just like ball out set pieces and, it starts out slow, but you get, oh, I'm just... The music's going to crescendo at, like, one of the best things we're, we're going to see in video games. I guarantee yeah. it. Just, like, uh, some jaw-dropping thing. Video games are so cool. That's pretty much it for all of the predictions we have for the show. I can't wait. I'm excited. Uh, I really enjoyed the PlayStation 1. Um, it was really cool. I think a lot of those games look really exciting. And I hope we see the same thing from Xbox. And I do think they're going to nail it as well. Um, we're not the console war type here. Uh, so, you know what I mean? We're not into like, but competition is great because it means we'll get better games in the long run from both of them. So that's awesome. In terms of what we've been playing, I have nothing to mention. Like I said, Last of Us. Oh, the one thing I wanted to mention real quick, Dom, I don't know if you heard about uh, Avatar, the last airbender characters coming to Smite, you know, that mobile I played for the longest time. No, I was going to, you were going to say Netflix. I was like, yeah, I fucking heard about that. Uh, Great show. I've never watched it chronologically, just finished season one for the first time. Anyways, hop back into Smite and they're more than just character skins for specific gods. They, like, rework the entire animations for those characters and the voice packs for them. So when you're playing in-game, you're, like, playing as, like, Aang and Zuko and stuff. It's really cool. It opens the door for me that I hope that they do this and they partner with either Nickelodeon for other shows or just other brands because it's a smart way to get uh, partner with these people and then bring more interest to a game that's been running for a long time. Like, I lost interest in Smite because I played it for so long and I got tired of... Like, using the same characters, there's new skins for them, but it's like, oh, it's a shiny, uh, raw skin. Whereas, like, oh, I get to play as Zuko, one of my f- favorite characters in a show, right? I think that's really cool. It's an inventive way to do that partnership with skins. Um, so, enjoy my time there. Other than that, nothing else to mention, really, outside of what I normally play between Animal Crossing and COD. Anything you want to mention? Did you get that plat, by the way? I did. I got the platinum for Last of Us 2, um, which wasn't bad. It was nice. To go through and play a second a second time through um it was still emotional i told myself oh, i'm just gonna skip the cutscenes and try to do it quick and get the collectibles and then like as soon as it started and it's that first opening scene i was like oh god damn it i'm right back in this shit again and, and, I, and I can't escape it but anyway um yeah i got that platinum and then took a few days off and kind of just you know mellowed in my own emotions about the last of us um and then I try. I made a big mistake because Rise of the Tomb Raider is one of the PS Plus games this month. So I thought, oh, I should turn that on because I played the reboot but never got into either of the sequels. I turned that on and like 20 minutes in, I was like, wow, this is like I have a really bad Naughty Dog syndrome where <laughs> as soon as like Lara and um, 
thought his name that starts with a J. Juno or Jared or something. Jonah, I think. I think Jonah. Jonah. As soon as the characters start talking to each other and like the facial animations and the dialogue are good, right? But I just played The Last of Us. And so it's like, uh, and this is, and Tomb Raider is like a bit older at this point now too. So it's like, I can't do this right now. I, it just doesn't even hold a candle. Just like when they're talking to each other, I'm like, I don't believe anything you guys are saying right now. Yeah. Um, totally unfair, uh, you know, for Tomb Raider. But anyway, um, I want to get back to it at one point because I did like the first reboot. Um, but yeah, then I, I, I instead turned on Dark Souls 3 because I realized I platinumed Dark Souls 1, uh, 2, 2 on Steam actually, and then uh, uh, Bloodborne and then Sekiro. Am I missing anything? No. And the only other one I haven't platinumed is Demon Souls. Souls, Which, when that remake comes out, I'll be sure to do that. So now I'm like, well, I need to get the platinum in Dark Souls 3, which is going to be a journey. And I decided to start it, you know, three days before Ghost of Tsushima because I'm an idiot. I think I'm at the I think I'm at the point now. I don't like Dark Souls 2. For a while I thought about it, and I'm like, hmm, I don't like it as much as the other ones. But mulling it over, and I haven't played it in a while, I don't like that game. It's not as good. Yeah, you can tell Miyazaki not directing it, man. Just doesn't feel the same. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it for us. Obviously, we're going to be doing next week. Uh, the Xbox Game Showcase happens at 9 in the morning, uh, I think, or like 10 for me technically because it's 9 Pacific. So I'll have enough time, obviously, to write everything up, which is good. And uh, tune in for the spoiler cast. We're going to be recording it this weekend. It should go up either Monday or Tuesday, hopefully, that you're listening to this. So that would be like, what is that, the 19th or 20th or something like that? Um, yeah, but thank you guys for listening. If you can, please head over to YouTube, search Control Ditchers. We'll pop right up. Hit the bell notification so you know when we upload new videos. Hit the like button if you enjoyed the videos. Over on iTunes, search us up. Leave us a review. Helps us move up in the algorithm. We're also on Spotify and Google Music and all those other places. On Twitter, you can find us collectively at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Ditchers, abbreviated. You can follow Dom at Dom's Oreos, and you can follow me at Jared underscore. We'll catch you guys next week in episode 199, where we react to the Xbox Game Showcase and... This weird rumored Nintendo Direct that might be happening on the 20th? We'll see. Thank you for listening. Catch you guys next time.